Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Amadbati, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique complementary system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Podcast here on UK Health Radio. So how have you been? I certainly hope you've had a pleasant week and I hope you're in good health. And as always, I hope and pray it remains that way. I've had a very, very busy week, actually. Um, within the, it's, it's been one of those weeks where I've had several uh, guests uh, recording them for my podcasts and uh, getting to know them. And uh, it's been a fascinating, fascinating week, actually, to be honest. Um, I found that uh, talking to so many eminent homeopaths from around the world, it's creating this virtual global community of homeopaths. And, um, you know, that's uh, that's the power of medium, isn't it? That's the power of, of, of radio. It's the power of podcasts. It's... Uh, it's a brilliant. Things can't get better, uh, or should I say, things can only get better, um, which does remind me of uh, something which I'll go off on tangent, so I'll stop myself before I even go there. Um, you know what I'm like. But um, I'm delighted today to welcome Dr. Sharon Ali from India. She is a very passionate uh, doctor of homeopathy and has dedicated so far 19 years of her life to natural healthcare. She is a nationally recognized homeopath. Dr. Sharon is committed to empowering everyone with safe and effective healing tools and techniques. Her recent appearance in a national newspaper highlights her exceptional work with over 200 mentally and physically challenged children, showcasing her compassion and dedication to the craft itself. And that is actually something I will be speaking to Dr. Sharon on uh, in some detail in today's podcast. So without further ado, Dr. Sharon Ali, thank you so much uh, for being on today's Homeopathy Health podcast. Thank you, uh, Atik, for this opportunity to share what I have, and I hope that you all enjoy what we have to share between the two of us. I think people will certainly enjoy it because, as I said to you just offline, just before the podcast, you've surpassed me in the number of views on TikTok videos. and. I just feel it's not fair because I'm the one who posted it. <laughs> but uh, hey, there we go, you know, all good. So uh, do tell me about yourself, you know, your journey to homeopathy. It's always fascinating to hear different uh, accounts of how, um, you know, successful doctors of homeopathy actually came across this science and this field of healing itself. Yes, it, uh, so I... I was very sure after I finished my 12th standard, which is like a pre-grad, I was very sure that I wanted to take up homeopathy as my career. Um, 
I was inspired by a few doctors back then who were at my, in my village. So I, I decided to take it up and I went around looking for a good college and I found one. And um, yes, I started it knowing that I'm going to be a homeopath. So the first uh, BHMS course that I did, which is of five and a half years, was done in a small place called Nasik. Over there, um, I used to spend a lot of time in the library. And I used to read a lot of these very small, tiny pamphlets, uh, which um, I, for some reason, I don't see these books out uh, very easily nowadays, but they were very nice, small written pamphlets by the old authors of homeopathy. That was my first introduction to homeopathy and my interest in homeopathy. After that, uh, I, I worked under different doctors and different schools of doctors for around, um, maybe around four years or so. I did not have my own practice. I went and I worked with different doctors and I was learning what we know now as the constitutional way of treating. So, you know, you go and you see, you, you take the history of a patient and you you try to find out the emotional state and the mental state and how the patient grew up as a child and then as adult and then what they like in eating, what they don't. So that's the way I used to first prescribe for my first, um, say, around uh, 12 years of practice. And um, yes, I, I was good at it and I, got, I yielded a lot of good results during that time. But during that time, I kept on um, exploring, like, you know, you have this learning curve, you go, you, you learn from someone, and then you tend to get an idea of how to use that particular method. And then you go on and you go to another person who has a different approach in homeopathy. So I kept doing this and I've gone to many different schools of homeopathy. And um, I... I found my cases getting more and more complicated. I found that for some reason I was attracting like the most gross pathology uh, that one would want to deal with. I was, uh, uh, you know, people with gangrene and people with cancer. And, and uh, the, more the, the, the more challenging the cases got, the more I had to study. So I, it became like a desperation to study and study and study. And um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. I've just been really, really studying and trying my best to treat um, via homeopathy. I have not limited myself to any particular way of treatment. I, I, I prefer having all my tools out. So yes, that's a little about me. That's a fascinating journey that, that uh, you've just relayed there. And uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster as well, hasn't it? Trying to... Um, juggle um patients treatment and of course knowledge itself literature yes. books yes yes very true and and Atik, i think that this journey never ends and yet at the same time i think that it's our failures that are the most um, it's what drives us to it's a success of course encourages us and our failure is the thing that drives us to study more and then you know sometimes we, we, we study and then we say, ah, you know, call up that patient who was not getting better. And then you, you give the medicine because you've studied it and you've worked hard. And then the patient who you've been struggling with for, for so many months, they, 
they suddenly just like bounce back because you've got the right, uh, you've, you've read the right book and you have gone through the right literature at the right time. So I, that's been what I've, I have been doing all this while. It's the nicest feeling, isn't it, Sharon, when a patient calls and they say, you know, and initially when you see them and they're suffering uh, and they've been trying to look for, you know, a place to go where they can be healed and, and their ailments can be removed and, and all the anxiety that's, of course, associated with yes, being unwell. Yes, yes. It's such a nice so, feeling, isn't it, when they say, oh, thank you, and it's it's done. And I, and I don't I mean this in the humblest way. I don't mean we're anything special. God, God forbid, that's not what I mean. But I mean, it's just a nice feeling that we've been given an opportunity to be able to help people. That That's what I mean. And God blesses the results and the results are, of course, that yes. they, they find health. Yes, very true. So so I uh, I used to have this thing when I was, I'm, I'm talking about like, um, you know, say 10, 15 years ago, um, I, I used to even go and stay over at patients' homes huh? during the last stages of their life. And, uh, you know, in palliative care cases, I used to... Uh, go and stay with them. And, you know, they would say, doctor, she can't breathe. Is there anything you can do? Doctor, she's uncomfortable. Her, her legs are too swollen. Is there something? So during those times, uh, one realizes that when one person is in pain, it's the whole family that suffers. It's, it's not just, and when you relieve one person, you are also relieving everyone around them. The small things that they can do on their own, the small uh, things that they're independent of or you 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 know you save them from can make such a large ripple uh, and I think that is what pushes me that is what makes me really happy because I know that you know not only have I uh, helped them but I've helped everyone around them too. It's interesting isn't it the fragility of life I know we're going to go off tangent but hey it, it's got to be said <laughs> but um you know, yes. even the, the strongest, let's say the strongest man in the world or, you know, a president of a country or whoever it is, yeah. a top ranking uh, public figure or a celebrity or whatever. But the fragility of life is, of course, you can be successful in life and you can do whatever it is that you want to do and achieve with effort, of course, you know, hard work, commitment, dedication that, you know, that that goes without saying. But Sickness is one of those things as it's so overpowering and it can create such a disorder, even in the most confident individual. And that's actually one of the beauties where homeo one of the beauties of homeopathy and, and where that comes in is by listening to the patient, by counseling the patient alongside uh -huh. the homeopathic medicines themselves, uh -huh. makes a world of difference to somebody who's been suffering, you know? Yes, very true. Uh, uh, so something that I've experienced with my uh, practice, which I'm, I would love to share, is um, how people's lives can change when you treat them for their emotional states and how their decision-making changes and how that completely revolutionizes their life. You know, there, were, there, there, was, a, there was a patient I had who had come to me because uh, his father had cancer and um, well, his father didn't uh, survive. His father passed on, but his father was a very, very dominating and dictatorial 
person. And he was like that till the end. Only in the last one, two days, he, you know, apologized to everyone and said, I'm really sorry for the things I've done. And uh, please forgive me because I know I'm not going to live longer. And he passed away. Now, this gentleman who was um, the son was totally lost. He had never been given decision-making powers. You know, he didn't know where the money was, what the father was doing, how he was earning. And suddenly the whole responsibility came on him. And he was like buckling under the pressure of the entire responsibility because he was never allowed to take a decision. Now, when when he came to me, it, it means um, he, he didn't come to me. In fact, um, the treatment ended when his father passed away. And um, uh, I told his wife, I think, you know, you should get him to me because I may be able to help him. Now, this gentleman um, started making a lot of wrong decisions in his business. And uh, we, I, I kept on encouraging uh, his wife to get him. I said, you know, you know, it will really make a difference. Please get him over. I know exactly how to help him. So after some, a few months of uh, going underground, he came to me and uh, I prescribed uh, some medicine to him and he, he started making better decisions in business. It, it's funny, but then, you know, there's sometimes these, these things can make a huge difference in a person's way of dealing with things. Then he had some problems or uh, with uh, his sisters because of, uh, you know, the breakup of um, the property. And I told his wife again, please get him back. He needs medicine. And he again came back. And now the relation with his sisters is really much better. So sometimes I feel that, you know, more also along with counseling, when you know that certain things where the emotion overrides a person and you can treat that, and uh, balance them out to make right decisions, things clear up and, you know, they, they are happier in their lives in, in so many ways. Mental health conditions and emotional imbalance or emotional instability is rampant, sadly. There's two schools of thoughts here. You know, one is that it was very taboo and now people are very openly being able to speak about it. So it's mm -hmm. always been there. But the uh -huh. other side is that actually it uh, it's it's an emerging condition. I'd say it's 50-50, you know, it's 50% of, yes, it's been there and those who had suffered, suffered quietly. And, and now because it's openly discussed uh, on social media and, and everywhere, you know, in the news and, and through even podcasts, you know, through radio mediums, people are now uh -huh. able to accept it and be able to seek help for it. And then the other 50 is, just the stress of life itself. I mean, we're bombarded, <laughs> aren't we, with messages yeah. after message and, and uh, you know, television and radio and mobile, I mean, mobile phone. Wow, you know, that's, can't, can't leave home without it, can't live without it type of thing. You no, know? you can't. But um, it's not good. And I say, of course, you know, I've said this so many, many times, but there's so much positive. But because of the sheer speed of light that we're all traveling at you know as far as our uh -huh. week goes uh -huh. it's not good for the body because there's no time actually to rest even sleep is done in in a i've had many patients who said oh we need to get sleep 
but we've got so much to do. And even that's an anxiety that, oh, I have to sleep. Yes. I look at it in another way. I feel that sometimes I feel that, you know, in today's world, we are getting much more than we did. Okay. And I think we have, all of us have moved ahead and progressed in life in whatever way. There's certain things where everyone has progressed. And there is um, one of the things I usually suggest to my patients when they come to me with depression is that I tell them, please do something which will instill gratitude in you. I think that it's the lack of gratitude that causes a lot of mental health issues. Um, a very interesting take on it, actually. That's very interesting. Um, we Perhaps we take everything for granted. Yes, I, I think so. And I think that, you know, when if you can go and uh, read a story in an orphanage or you can take your children out there and help them interact with the, the people in old age homes. And I think that if you can do anything, which is not just giving physically, you know, giving clothes and food and things like that, but spending time with those who are abandoned or spending time with those who have less than you, I think that will relieve a lot of depression. I, I feel that we, you know, the best way to not feel depressed is to see and realize that you have much more than someone else does. I 100% agree with you. And the reason I do is because my family and I, we, most of our evenings are taken up with voluntary work, helping, for example, the the homeless community, raising money for charity, cleaning up even a courtyard of a church and uh, yes. having social meetings with different faiths and, and you know, going out on the streets, especially in the new year and Christmas time, purchasing good high quality gifts and going out and seeking those who were, you know, finding it difficult and were on the street and yes. gifting yes. them and spending time with them and sitting with them. And I think yes. you've, you've said something very uh, pertinent that that is what's needed because then when you come home and you reflect on what you have and everything is on tap isn't it you know it's so it's such a luxurious life no matter what level you're at uh, mm -hmm. and then you look at what you've just seen that's gratitude it makes you grateful that oh wow you know I've, I've got this and this and imagine yes imagine being in that position we I wouldn't survive a day I think Yes, I think that that that's the one way to treat sadness. Absolutely. What's your experience with with mental health conditions? Yeah, there are three types of people I come across. Um, see, so I've, as you know, I've been treating the physically and mentally disabled children, uh, and we've been we've been working on them, and we've been doing a, a very nice job. We're getting very very encouraging results, and. Uh, Oh, I love the work I'm doing. Um, so when we actually see children who have uh, mental issues, they are some of the happiest children, huh? <laughs> no, they're not sad. I think the rest of the world around them is, but then I think they're, they're happy. You know, they're mm. the sweetest of people. Um, and there is a lot of scope for homeopathy for what we consider actual mentally disabled children. Um, as far as 
and I also see the other uh, kind who have lived in luxury, and I think they're just bored. <laughs> so there's another kind true. who I think create their own problems, and um, well, they don't actually have problems, so they create it. And there are another set of people who um, have issues which need homeopathic support, and then they bounce back and they come back to normal. Now, for the ones that are really, really, um, how can I say, psychiatric cases like schizophrenia or manic depressive or OCDs, um, I have seen a 50-50 result. Now, this is the truth, uh, Atik. I, I like being truthful about what I do. So statistically, I've seen 50% of them improve completely and just bounce back and they don't need any medicine and then they can live a normal life and they don't start hearing voices or they don't go into those fits of rage or manic depression. But there are some who we've not been able to cure. So my take on mental health is that... Um, go to the closest homeopath. Uh, if the doctor can help you, then you are saved of a lifelong medication, which would dull you down, make you lose your memory, not let you enjoy life. And um, how can I say? Numb you. Mm. Um, because we see the other side, right? That when you take those medicines, which are for, for depression or for schizoid patients, it's very numbing. They don't feel joy. They don't feel sorrow. So they don't even feel the joy, right? So Absolutely. It's quite painful huh, to see that state. Some people cannot do without having that medicine. Homeopathy has all the answers, Atik. Homeopathy has all the answers. It's, it's us as humans who fail. It's, it's us. Very aptly said. Which actually moves me on to something you've just mentioned here, that you've treated over 200 uh, mentally and physically challenged children. So do share with me what was involved and, and the types of conditions perhaps that, that you've been uh, successful in, in helping these children with. So we've treated everything from deafness, blindness, uh, epilepsy, all types of epilepsy, absent seizures, general seizures, all, all, all the small types of epilepsy. We've, we've treated uh, microcephaly, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. Yeah, we, we, we've touched almost all the conditions that we, means I know technically, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. We've treated quite a lot of uh, conditions. 10% have not improved because when we actually started asking the patients and we went deeper in, we realized that they had improved, but then the, the parents wanted more. Okay. But there were signs of improvement and uh, these cases do take time to improve, you know? So if you're taking a follow-up after 15 days, you cannot expect miracles in all of them, but we did see signs of improvement in all of them. Of course, in cases where there's microcephaly, no, the brain size does not increase, but Motor function increases, epilepsies go down, they start recognizing things, they start, their understanding improves. There's a lot of small changes that you can see. Uh, bladder control, bowel control improves. So these are patients who are really, really bad. I'm not talking about who are not as bad. Okay, these are patients who really need 
help or who who are totally dependent on their parents. I think the scope of homeopathy over here is that we have remedies which uh, I wish were recognized by other schools of medicine. One is we have medicines which work on head trauma uh, when the child is born and uh, if they have forceps deliveries or if they were stuck in the canal or if they had a difficult labor we have remedies for head injury we have remedies for delayed uh, oxygen supply we have remedies for um, trauma to the mother we have remedies which help with the side effects of torch that is your toxoplasmosis cytomegalovirus rubella so hepatitis b so all these um, the side effects that come on to the child if the parents are suffering from it or if the mother has suffered emotional or mental or physical trauma during pregnancy uh, it can be treated with homeopathy so i think that the scope of homeopathy is there because there, there are lots of things that other schools know as causes but homeopathy has remedies for those causes now in in other schools you have you know the cause but you're going to treat only what you see in homeopathy we know the cause then we know what to treat it with so do you find that um, are you are you becoming well known as far as um, an expertise in in this specific field or or have you focused more of your time and energy on on such cases challenging cases so i think this was an opportunity we got to work with dr sunirmal sarkar he is a, a very well read and a very successful homeopath homeopath in calcutta and as you mentioned dr gorang also has been his student and so have i and uh, here we have under the guidance of dr sunirmal sarkar worked and seen these patients now um, this was an opportunity to help them it's it i have n- not limited myself to any particular disease uh, per se but yes we have now got more experience in uh, physically and mentally challenged children really commendable actually sharon what what uh, you know what you're doing here and i think uh, you know step by step uh, it uh, well of course it improves lives but the fact that you know you're able to to give time to this for those who are suffering for for no fault of their own is is yes. highly commendable you know i congratulate you on so that much. and congratulate you on that i must tell you it's all that. free it's all free huh this is Amazing. a completely free um there's there's not a this is there's no money taken from the patients the entire uh, project has been done as uh, a service to humankind yes that makes it even more commendable i wish you great success actually with that in you know may you go on to help hundreds of thousands of of children and adults who perhaps are suffering from you know very challenging yes. diseases and disabilities hmm? thank you so very much um we are hoping to continue doing workshops while we are t- treating so these are like physical workshops where the patients do come and uh, while they are being treated 
we discuss their particular problem and we discuss our understanding of the remedy and we treat it. And the, uh, the students get to see the follow-ups too. So they see the improvement in the, in the patients, which gives them more confidence in homeopathy one. And um, hopefully, um, see, we have only been able to treat 200, which is nothing. It's like a drop in the ocean of these kind of cases. So if we can create more doctors who can treat more patients and uh, you know make this one drop into an ocean where all all the homeopaths are capable of treating such cases it would be really nice so what are you currently uh, involved with as far as cases are concerned or is it just a mixed bag every day mixed bag every day uh, i think i see a lot of hormonal disturbances so i see a lot of uh, PCOD, thyroid. There's something called men's disease where you have multiple endocrino cancers. So for some reason, I get a lot of these cancer cases. I get kidney failure, parathyroid issues, renal conditions. And I do get the regular cold and coughs also. I get, mm. uh, uh, I get some cases of epilepsy. Mm. In fact, I, I've made a list of the <laughs> I've made a list of the cases I've treated. I think I've treated around five hundred different types of diseases till now, or more. Oh, wow. that's uh, that's uh, that's not bad going, eh? Not, <laughs> yeah, I've put my hands everywhere. I think I feel we should as homeopaths because when we study Materia Medica, Materia Medica is not just for one type of disease, and usually there are multiple organs affected in every person. So, you know, it, it doesn't make sense if you treat one without the other. It's one body. Mm. You know, I was going to ask you, um, Dr. Sharon, about hormonal issues, because they seem to be prevalent fertility issues, both male and female, st or sterility issues, should I say. Um, what's your take on that? What's your... Uh, What's is there a causative agent, a causative factor here, or or is this oh, just yeah. lifestyle and chemicals, pesticides, insecticides? You know. Okay, for this, I'm going to be going to. So I have um, a case paper I made for patients who come to me and want treatment for their particular hormonal issue, and. Uh, I'm going to tell you how long the, the questionnaire is only for past history. So when we take the past history, we are looking for causes. Okay. Now, mm. when we take the past history for even a hormonal issue, we take a uh, history of mumps. We take the history of um, digestive um, infections, gastritis, diarrhea, typhoid, we take the history of uh, any liver complaints like jaundice or again typhoid or gallbladder issues. We even take injury to the abdomen. So if they've had accidents or things like that, or injury to the head. I just recently treated a child who had been thrown up by his father and he hit the ceiling. And after that, he got diabetes. So because And, and that is because of injury to the pituitary huh so there there are multiple causes it's not one the medicine for hair growth like minoxidil 
you have um, you know uh, sexually transmitted diseases which cause issues there's tuberculosis there's covid there is oral contraceptives which cause problems you have malnutrition these weight loss and weight gain programs these crash diets which cause a lot of hormonal issues there's so many things it's 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 not just pesticides no it's not it is indeed a, 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 it's an amalgamation isn't it of different things yes, and yes, factors yes. you know which is uh, yeah. i suppose part of uh, has become sadly part of life isn't it because of uh, circumstances which we cannot get out of but nutrition plays plays a very key role here as well, doesn't it? We're all yes, into yes, yes. eating bad bad eating habits as such. Not enough greens, the age old thing. Not enough greens. Rather chew on a chicken leg or a bit of meat. It's it's really sad. A, a, not not just that. I agree with you completely out there. But as I said, these. So I had um, uh, we we've been learning about phyto hormones, right? About your phytoestrogens and phytoprogesterones and medicines also made which which work like hormones, but then they're made from regular dietary products. So I feel that people should know what they're eating. And if they overdo anything, if they overdo their soy, soya powders when they're going to the gym, or if they overdo anything, it will lead to hormonal issues. Even the chicken that they eat, uh, if they're going on a protein diet. So I, yes, I agree with you that one is um, the greens and the other is fresh food. I don't know why it's gone out of the market. People don't eat fresh food. Mm. Which is, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I was actually just thinking of fresh food. Um, that's probably because <laughs> I haven't had my dinner, but hey, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. I'm going to control myself and let's stay on script, okay? Yes. Uh, <laughs> But that's the beauty of a podcast. You can, you're allowed to go off on tangent. That's the conversation. Now, uh, where are you? Uh, where are you based specifically? Which area of India are you? In the north, I believe. Um, yes. Well, I'm. I am from the northeast. I am from the northeast. So that's the northeast means more towards China, uh, more towards Bhutan, more towards Nepal. But I stay in the west, just bang opposite. So I stay in the West, which is in Maharashtra, in Pune. Yeah, so that's where I practice. Nice place, a green place, is it, Pune? It's very nice. I think it's getting overcrowded now now because it is that nice. Mm. It's very nice. Lovely. We have very nice mangoes. Please come oh, over. Delicious, delicious. <laughs> Definitely. For mangoes, you know, we don't get many mangoes in the UK. But, oh, well, they're all imported here, anyway, so there's none in the yeah, UK. Here, of course. It's, here it's uh, an everyday, everyday meal. Not too Once good for those who are diabetic, up. though, eh? <laughs> no, no, it's not. But you know, if you have mango whole, it's, it's okay for diabetics. If you have it in a juice, it's not good. Because uh, when you have it whole, you're having it with fiber, it's more difficult to digest, and it doesn't give that sugar high so if you have mango have it whole i will have plenty of those as soon as i get my hands <laughs> on some <laughs> now i have some questions for you some some um let's say uh some downtime questions 
Tell me, yes. do you have any favorite remedy or remedies? Your personal favorites, as such. My personal favorite. Okay, one of my favorite remedies. Favorite. This is for this generation. Is abrotanum. Okay, interesting choice. It's my yes. favorite remedy. I feel if I don't know anything in a case, I'll give them abrotanum. And why? You have to justify that now. <laughs> you've opened up a you've opened something up now i'm going to prod you until you give me some more info <laughs> okay so abrotanum is the king of remedies for suppression if you've taken any set of antibiotics for cough cold diarrhea typhoid pneumonia and after that you've developed any symptoms abrotanum clears that so it works better than other remedies in that sphere, huh? Ah, uh, trust me, I've done that too many times. Now <laughs> I'm telling you, I will not say anything unless I've tried and tested it. Otherwise, I don't open my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and any others alongside that? Torula, torula is an excellent remedy for almost any kind of allergy, anything rhinitis. Um, eczemas, allergy to food, anything. Torula. You're asking me for specifics and I'm giving you, huh? <laughs> it's for the knowledge and education of the listeners because it just goes to show you actually um, that there's, there's so many homeopathic, there's thousands of homeopathic medicines or, or remedies available to to homeopaths from around the world and um, yes. that's the beauty because there is no disease that then cannot be at least one cannot try to to help a patient with that's the yes. magnitude and the sphere of homeopathy um, and it's fascinating because you know you've referred to two remedies which which are not that common that's why i would uh, was asking you to give more details because they're not commonly referred to they're not like Annika Belladonna, sulfur rustox, you know, they're not. So that's yes. what makes it more interesting, I think. One thing, again, I said, because I'm saying abrotanum and torula, I'm, I'm just coming to you from another place. These are remedies which I've used in my clinic. And these are remedies which I can swear by because I have treated so many patients with it. So these are not just because I have read about it. It's something I have experienced. Yes. I've got a name for you. <clears throat> I think I'm going to start calling you the homeopathic Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yes, you may. <laughs> yeah? Dif difficult cases. Yes. Yeah? For 100%, that's Sherlock Holmes, you know. <laughs> now, the question yeah. is, which one? Because there's been many in history, haven't there? Especially on the movies. In the yes. Movies, rather, you know? oh, I love them. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you, the British one or the one with uh, Robert Downey Jr.? Here we go off tangent. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not the Robert Downey Jr. one. I like the British ones. Ah, oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Benedict, dear Benedict, the original Sherlock Holmes, yes? Oh, I love the way he talks. I don't <laughs> mind just sitting and listening to him. Well, one day he may be on this podcast. Oh! You never know. Please, I, I would love to hear him, really. And I think he's, <laughs> I think he's got a very high IQ, even if he's not Sherlock Holmes. Yes, I think absolutely. Very intelligent, yes. Now, next question for you. 
your favorite yes. books or book or books. If this, if it's uh, several, then it's three. You're allowed maximum three, like oh your goodness. top top books. You know, this is not fair. <laughs> this is not fair. Boric. Okay. Alice The classics. And, yes, I can swear by them, and I can see. You know, one thing I must tell you. Um, you're again a little tangential, but let me tell you. Um, the the history of homeopathy shows that the 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 doctors the homeopaths of the golden era were all allopathic doctors who turned towards homeopathy for a gentler way of cure so burnett boric allens herring uh, boger they were all people who knew medicine and I, I, why I stress on this is because when we take a clinical case, when you're taking a case and you're seeing them clinically and you're trying to see, okay, this person, his pain is not in the muscle. It is in the, it's not even in the articular joint. It is in the insertion of the muscle on this area. So when we think of it, uh, anatomically, physiologically, and pathologically, and when we're thinking of what happened to this patient for this pathophysiology to um, get affected, it's that time that these books actually work because these people knew their stuff. You know, they knew medicine before they did homeopathy. So it's the beauty of how they've been able to get the the PQRS, the, 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 the peculiar symptom of the patient and write so concise in such concise manners and in such, such a, just what, just what is needed for us to study and memorize is what gives me the high. Like uh, if the patient comes in, now I treat a lot of arthritis cases and I ask them, is it a shooting pain? Is it, is it throbbing? Is it, does it feel heavy? Does it feel stiff? I know exactly what is going on inside, you know, and that is what these doctors did. They knew exactly what was getting affected. If you read um, the books of the past, the classics, it's amazing. It's crazy. How, how did they understand that the kidney was floating or how that time there was no, nothing. How do they understand glaucoma? There's so many remedies of glaucoma. Now there's a whole range of tests to do. And you see the field vision the and things like this and that. No, here you just close the eyes and put three of your fingers on top of the eye. And you will know that there's pressure in the eye. The eye feels harder. The clinical understanding of a case and to understand that this patient who's walking in, okay, his gait is like this. And then you ask him, why are you walking like this? And then when he explains it, and when he explains that, you know, when I lift it, it hurts. It's not when I put it down. When I put it down, it feels better. So these small things tell you exactly which part of what is paining and what was the process or what was the pathophysiology behind it, which made that hurt. And that is written in Boric Allen's and, you know, understood by Burnett, understood by J.H. Allen, understood by Primer. So that's what I like about these books. You know, it's testament what you've said as you were, as you were 
<clears throat> saying those names, I was I was picturing them uh, because we have pictures for for most of them. That sheer meticulous effort that was made at that time is such an absolute treasure house for us because Dr. Samuel Hahnemann himself, of course, started this and he yeah. was extremely meticulous with noting down yeah. every single thing. And today, you know, 200 odd years plus, uh, we now, I think you've, you've said it in a most elegant way because you've, that's the expression actually, it goes back to the original point of uh, where we started actually about gratitude we spoke about. Um, because we have to show gratitude to them because what they have done is amazing and it's never been done before. And such meticulous, uh, such a, a meticulous nature. Tell me about this. Tell me how you feel. When do you do you feel like this? When you're standing, when you're sitting, when you're lying down, you know, when you're eating, when you're when you're sleeping. It's amazing the amount of detail that goes into the proving of homeopathic remedies. Yes, very true. Very, very true. You know, um, I think this. I I don't know whether this is podcast. Um, material but let me tell you something um i i am right now treating a case who has been on the ventilator for 45 days okay mm-hmm. and um the the patient's sister is a homeopath so she's been in touch with me and we've been uh, coordinating and she she helps me by telling me the symptoms and then i prescribe and then she gives it and we've been able to manage a lot of um how can I say challenging situations which have which would like uh, which would have otherwise been fatal okay and now this gentleman is on his way to recovery he's he's improving they've removed the central line today and we are just waiting for maybe another few days before we can celebrate him coming back uh, you know from where he was all these days um the reason I'm mentioning this is because when we understand a case from uh, the medical point of view and we can play around with the homeopathic remedies, the magic that can be created is just um, tremendous. You know, the mix of today's education, the, the, the mix of today's uh, progress in medicine, in, in, in uh, blood tests and in things like that. And also the homeopathic, uh, how can I say, the wisdom of the old and the the knowledge of the new, you know, when you mix these two, uh, it's a, you can do miracles. You need to write a book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, have, you, have a lot, you have a lot to say and it's all very, very, it's brilliant. So I, I would urge you to write something. Start work on it now. And I will chase you every three months. <laughs> I will you. try my best. I must, I must compliment you, Arthik. You've made me really comfortable. I was mm, a little scared as to what I'm going to talk about and um, how this podcast will go. But thank you so much for being so such a good listener. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. That's very humbling. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today's Homeopathy Health podcast. Um, I wish you well. And of course, I will invite you back uh, later this year 
and hopefully we can talk some more. Yes, I would love to, Arthik. It's been a pleasure. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. Trust me, I have enjoyed every bit of this. I do hope you've enjoyed the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Tune in next time for more things homeopathy, interviews and segments on the healing possibilities that homeopathy can bring you. And don't forget to visit UK Health Radio online at www.ukhealthradio.com to see the many other amazing shows available to listen live and on demand. Or why not download the app from the iOS and Android stores. Until next time, stay safe and take care.